most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin. A.K.A. MMA Anomaly and Emiliano, A.K.A. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host Olin, A.K.A. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as always, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? Doing great. On this uh, Christmas edition of the No Filter MMA Anomaly Show. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a bug in my throat. Got the T-Rex on my shirt. Representing, brother. I'm excited, man. It's uh, it's good vibes. Good vibes. Good to see you. Let's go, man. I'm uh, I'm still recovering, you know, a little under the weather. I, I am not brave enough to put on a Christmas sweater. I feel like I'm already burning up in a tank top. So um, we'll just pretend I'm in a Christmas sweater. You already know I'm, uh, I'm with that Christmas cheer. And who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll bust one out post Christmas for the uh, MMA Anomaly Award ceremony. What up, Mad Max Meridian? Welcome to the chat. Uh, as Mad Max Meridian said, that is a damn fine sweater. Nano boy is rocking. Completely agree. Uh, happy to have you in the chat. Look at that. Look at that. The T Rex is wearing a jacket. The sleeves are just too long. But that's not that's not killing his vibe. He's ready and he's cheerful and he's in the Christmas spirit, folks. Got the Santa hat on. He's got his glasses on. He's vibing, brother. He's got gifts. Good cheers. Good spirits. He was obviously on the nice list. So, <laughs> tis the season, brother. Absolutely, man. Tis the season. Speaking of tis the season, guys, uh, we are going to go ahead and jump right into things. So, this episode, we are going to be breaking down UFC 296. Um, gosh, almost in its entirety. One hell of a card. Top to bottom. Left to right. Front to back. Either way you slice it. This card had it all. It had drama. It had high stakes. It had fun. It had sadness. It had excitement. Uh, it had the highest of highs. It had the lowest of lows. As Foghorn Leghorn would say from the Looney Tunes, it was the best of times. I said, I said it was the worst of times. Um, so, you know, here we are, guys. UFC 296. We are jumping right into it. Um, with that being said, though, before we jump into breaking down this card and what we think should be next for these fighters, uh, just want to do a quick plug. We are getting ready to start breaking down the 2023 MMA Anomaly Show Fan Awards, uh, which, of course, are voted on by you folks. So make sure that you do vote. We are putting together a final list poll. Uh, we did the first set on Twitter. I'm going to put together a Google setup for this one. I'll post the links to that online in the next couple of days. Make sure you vote. Um, and man, we sure can't wait to, to see who you guys vote for. If there are any nominations that you want to see or any categories that you want to see, throw those in the chat throughout the show today. Uh, we are more than happy to add anything silly in there. If you want to say like UFC fighter, most likely to rob a bank, throw it on there. We did that last year. Uh, so 
with that being said, to, to add a little bit of hype and a little bit of sizzle. Let's go. Let's go. We hope everybody's excited about it. Uh, We are super stoked about it. It's honestly one of, if not my favorite episode every year. Uh, So super stoked to have everybody be a part of it. And my favorite thing is if you have it in you and you want to get some extra votes in, okay, send a video of yourself listing the nomination that you want to win and the category, obviously, um, that you're nominating them for. And let us know why you want them to win or why you think they're worthy of that win. That will count for many extra votes, and uh, you might even make it on the episode. So make sure you send those in soon. Um, And, yeah, as long as it happened in 2023 and it was mixed martial arts related, the holes barred. Nothing is off limits, folks. So jumping into the bottom of the early prelims, my guy. We had uh, Martin Badai coming in there against Shamil Gaziv Mann. Shamil Gaziev, I, uh, I'm i going to remember the name. That's for damn sure. This guy came out there. Um, he landed 60 to 13 strikes, and uh, 49 of those were significant. He ended up getting the KO in the second round, and not long into the second round, right? It was only 56 seconds into the round. This man looks to be an absolute problem for the heavyweight division. Undefeated, 12-0, and 0, um, and he came out there and put away a very game Martin Badai. Martin Badai is not the guy, unfortunately, in this bout, man. Yeah, uh, to start off the uh, UFC 296, we had a banger in the heavyweight division. A couple of big boys getting in there. Um, if anyone was curious, if you know a tree falls in the woods when no one's around, it makes a noise. And best believe, if a heavyweight goes down, it makes a noise, man. And um, yeah, it was an exciting fight. Shamil Gaziev, uh, definitely somebody to uh, remember the name. Absolutely, like Fort Minor back in the day. Great song. Um, and like Bilal, remember the name, not to take his copyright infringement on that. If you're listening, Bilal, uh, you know, no disrespect, please don't uh, sue us for that. But nah, man, um, yeah, hey, we need some excitement in the heavyweight division and no better time than now, right? On that kind of stage to end the year and now be at the top of everyone's, um, name, right? The lasting, the lasting memory here, uh, in the heavyweight division, man, that's exciting. Don't really have a matchup uh, in terms of maybe what's next for Shamil. But hey, maybe anyone in the top 15 or any healthy heavyweight, get him back in there, man. Anyone can get it. Love that anyone can get it, as Nano said. Um, Yeah, we can go ahead and jump right into the next fight. The next one was actually one I was much more hype on going into the night, and I got even more hype as the fight went on, folks. We had Andre Touchy Philly. He's in the building, and he's feeling himself. Um, I mean, he was, he was out there getting it done, folks. He came out there with a swagger. As soon as the fight started, he kept that same swagger about him. And again, he was fighting a Lucas Almeida, who is a very game opponent, and someone who, again, seemed like maybe they were fighting for a, a bit of their job there. Um, man, did Andre Philly put it on him. He actually ended up missing with a strike and then had this weird quick correction, right? Like it wasn't even a proper like right hook or right cross. It was a, I missed, but I see that you left your head right here for me to connect with something quick. So I'm just going to throw something wonky and 
And it was so quick. It was just, a, a, again, you've heard me say this time and time again, and you'll hear me say it many more times. It is not the fastest. It is not the strongest. And it is not the most perfect strike that is going to knock you out. It's the one you do not see coming. And man, oh man, Quicksilver said it in Age of Ultron. You didn't see that one coming, huh? Um, Lucas Almeida did not see that one coming. And that's why it put him flat. Uh, he hit that little short right hook, very short right hook, right hook. Ricky making an appearance, folks. And then he just followed it up with some very quick Donkey Kong-esque ground strikes. You love to see it. Um, he improves to 23 and 10 in his professional career, does Andre Touchy Feely, while Lucas Almeida falls to 14 and 3 in his. Um, I thought this was a fantastic fight. I thought it was a great setup and start to what turned out to be a uh, just overall thoroughly fun card throughout. Curious to hear your breakdown on Touchy Feely's performance and also if you have any names on the tip of your tongue for him. Yeah, brother. Great. Another fun uh, fight here to start with the fight card. And my boy, Andre Touchy Feely, our guy, man, fine out of Sacramento, represent. That's basically my backyard now. Went to school out there. Stingers up. Shout out Sac State. Uh, my parents live out there now, so that's basically the home base. But boy, did Andre Touchy Philly, um, man, let off in um, strong fashion. Nothing but fireworks throughout the fight. And it just felt like he had really good movement throughout. One thing I want to point out leading into the fight is I knew there was a little extra juice going in. I don't know if you saw the ceremonial weigh-ins, but um, our boy Andre Touchy Philly, like the consummate professional, went up to shake Lucas Almeida's hand. He did not reciprocate. And um, and in a pretty cool, slick fashion, Andre Touchy Philly, you know, when did the uh, OK, let me clap and swipe and just act like that didn't happen. OK, I'm a nod and keep it moving. OK, I remember that mental note that uh, talk about having the chip on his shoulder. And uh, I think that led to him being extra focused. Uh, he was able to avoid the lay kicks early on. And then I think once he realized that he was going to have an advantage on the striking game, you did see him start to get a little more comfortable in there. And do what he does best, man. Started at the body, went to the head. Like you said, notice that um, Lucas Almeida did go off the center line. So he uh, threw the left jab out there. Almeida slipped to the right. And when you would typically maybe want to try to throw some sort of hook or like a straight shot, maybe he kind of threw something in between there. And I mean, man, it's I'm trying to... Yeah, uh, I'm trying to make an example. Maybe like in baseball, it's like getting that quick hop or um, just having that quick reaction, being at the right place at the right, right time. He was able to, in in the middle of a three-punch flurry, was able to locate the chin and put his hand where it needed to go, and it was extremely, extremely sharp. It uh, crumbled our boy Lucas Almeida, an absolutely heavy hand right on the button, and then some vicious elbows on top to end it off, again, spectacular fashion. Um, and I do think there's a little extra juice there because, again, he... Didn't want to shake his hand. You got what you got what you deserved. That was a little extra karma, a little humble pie served in there as well. Um, so super excited for our boy Andre Touchy Feely at 33 years old. Even like he mentioned, hey, hey man, I, I've had some ups, I've had some downs, but I'm Samoan. I'm game. I, I never say no to a fight. You know, um, has a good camp out there in Sacramento. There's a few fighters that had some spectacular knockouts on this card. Something's in the water out there. That ain't no fluke, okay? Um, but we'll break that down later. Again, here, Andre Touchy Philly, what's next for him? Is top 15 in the question? I'd love to see it. Realistically, I don't know. It's a really stacked division. 
Maybe you throw him in there with another top 25 guy that is clearly, you know, shooting up the Richter scale. Someone else that has an easy uh, or not easy, but I should say someone else that is on that path to the top 15. Two names I had in mind first on my list, just because he's an absolute savage. I feel like this would be a fun fight card for us fans. They're talking about making some stat cards coming up. What about a Diego Lopez versus Andre Touchy Feely? Winner gets a top 15 guy. Where are you? Not just because we have that drop in there, but because I feel like, man, Diego's a savage. He's earned a lot of respect. Andre Touchy Feely's a savvy veteran. He's looked good in there. Only loss as of recent was to Nathaniel Wood, and it was close. And Nathaniel Wood's a savage, man. So give me some Diego Lopez. What are you thinking, brother? You know, I'm not mad at that. I'll be honest with you. Um, not one of these times where we had the same name on the tip of our tongue. Definitely didn't have Diego Lopez there for me. I actually do think he's ready for top 15. Um, I don't think he's a 500 fighter. I think he's he's somebody that is actually... He's... God, he's had much more wear... I'm trying to pick my words wisely here. He's had much more wear on the tires than he should for the age that he is. Um, and he's fought a lot of big guys. Uh, that being said... I think the right matchup for him would be somebody like a lucky Lerone Murphy um, or Alex Bruce Leroy Cixeres. Uh, And I do agree with Mad Max here in the chat. I think Lopez, I don't know if he crushes him, but I think he's a bad matchup for, for an Andre touchy Philly. Um, I think Lerone Murphy would be a really fun match. I think Bruce Leroy would be an even funner match. Um, both really lucid strikers who are willing to also engage in the grappling and scrambles. Yeah, I think the Bruce Leroy match would be a lot of fun. Um, and I also think that he doesn't have a, a ton of time left with the wars that he's been in, uh, touchy-feely. Same with Alex Caceres. Alex Caceres has been in the UFC for like 10 years. Uh, actually, longer than that. So, I'd be happy with that. Um, yeah, man. I'm going to let you actually take the lead on the next fight, though. Uh, Tagir Ulenbekov versus Cody Durden. That was a that was a wild one. Uh, maybe you wanted me to lead off because you know I'm gonna have to pour my shot after this one because I definitely thought Cody Dern was gonna be able to go in there and take care of business. I was rooting for America, and uh, boy us. was boy was I wrong. I should not have bet against the Dagestani warrior, and uh, that's on your boy. Uh, so I'm gonna eat my words on that one. Mad the Max gear. is keeping record. <laughs> Keep the receipts, brother. Always. Uh, but yeah, man, Tagir jumped out the gate immediately, man. Just looked like the stronger, clearly the bigger fighter. And I think after a while, was able to show his speed to be just that extra edge that he needed. Um, like I typically love to see from a striking perspective, he's able to establish that jab early and often. He even dropped our boy Cody with a stiff right hook, uh, stumped him, folded him like a lawn chair. But he, Cody was able to survive. He's a dog. Uh, he was able to fend off. Some of the wrestling, but again, man, to gear from that Dagestani background, that strong Sambo uh, base, Sam, uh, Sambo wrestling, that is, uh, was able to score a takedown after that exchange. And then from there, just felt like a well-rounded performance from a high-level fighter, again, based out of Dagestani there, man. An absolute savage. Lad Mad Max mentioned here, the fence play was a bit disappointing, but he was clearly outclassing him even without that. Yeah, definitely somewhere uh, where... You know, maybe Tagir can uh, go back and uh, up-level his game in that realm. Um, again, I mean, he had someone like Cody Dern, who also has a strong wrestling background. Um, maybe was applying a lot of pressure there or 
Um, maybe he was using some of that time to recover. I mean, there's always little things that might be going on behind the scenes that maybe we're not thinking about because uh, he did drop him. He did, you know, have him hurt. Maybe he was just trying to maybe play a little more defense than being more offensive throughout the entire fight when he was already winning on every other facet. Um, but curious to hear your thoughts. I don't really have anybody on the top of my head that's next for Tagir, but I would say find out of Dagestan and the fact that Dan is going to want to continue to travel the world and have some fights maybe in Singapore or in Saudi Arabia or you know, maybe in China coming up. In the UK, certainly he's going to be on one of those upcoming cards. Um, timing's everything. Is he ready for a top 15 guy? My answer is going to be no at this time, but boy, does he look good. And, um, well, actually, was Cody ranked? Let me actually double check this because Cody was number 15. So actually, is he number 15 now? Here's your thoughts, brother, but I don't have any names. And uh, maybe you can. Tagir's ranked oh, number boy. 12 now. Uh, oh, so boy. He, was, he was actually sitting at number 13 already. Um, he was, yeah. Now, Subadurji went down two. He went up one. Uh, Matt Schnell continues to drop. He has a fight coming up, though, hoping he can battle his way back up on those. You're my boy, Matt. Um, Muhammad Makayev is also up to number eight now. So, yeah, I mean, with with Tagir sitting at number 12, uh, first first things first, you know me, like to address the elephant in the room. Mad Max Meridian in the chat, taking the words right out of my mouth here. Uh, very figgy-esque, fun fighter, easy to cheer for, just needs to fight the urges that muck it up a bit. Um, and, of course, what he means by that is the, the fence play, right? Like, Grabbing the fence, interlocking your fingers and or toes in the cage is illegal. I think I counted three times that Tagir did it, um, which is still not nearly as many times as fucking Shavkat did it, but we'll get into that a little, a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I feel like the the fence, the fence grabs, the, the toes in the fence. It's just as Mad Max said, it, it does muck it up quite a bit and it takes away from an uh, otherwise very, very good win like that win. Otherwise, looked fantastic. Uh, the body triangle he did, yeah, yes, hundred percent. The body triangle he did it like a million times with his feet, bro. Like, come on. And I also think he grabbed the gloves of Cody Durden once or twice too. So, I, I, again, like, there are some people that say, like, you know, uh, in NASCAR, if you're not rubbing, it's not racing. Um, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well. Personally, if there's not respect, it's not martial arts. And this is fucking MMA, guys. So let's hold back on the cheating. Let's make it a fair play here. Um, no fingers in the gloves, Charlie Oliveira. Uh, you know, no no toes in the cage, Shafkat, looking at you. This shouldn't be the things that you have to do to, to, to get these wins. Um, Patty was also guilty of it during his fight. But again, we'll get into all of that during those fights. So... Great performance for Tagir. He looked stellar from pillar to post. He he won that fight. He rocked his opponent early. Again, I, the, the biggest issue with the cheating for me is that he just didn't need it. Um, but again, his opponent still outlanded him. Cody Durden still landed 55 to 45 on total strikes, 32 to 24 on significant strikes. So make no mistake about it. If this fight was standing... I don't think we'd be doing this shot, my guy. Um, but this is mixed martial arts. This isn't Muay Thai. If you want to watch Muay Thai, go check out one championship. They put on a hell of a Muay Thai card just last week. Uh, shout out. But this ain't that. <laughs> this is mixed martial arts where they mix the martial arts. And grappling just happens to be a part of that. Um, it's not my favorite part, but I got to think our guy Mad Max Meridian was loving that shit on the screen. And with that being said, 
a bet made, a debt paid, right? Cheers to that. And shout out 1FC. One championship. I like how 1FC. Is that what they're called too? Is that tomato, tomato? I feel like it's interchangeable, bro. Kind of championship. Like when, um, I'm just, I'm just abbreviating it. They had Eagles FC, right? Maybe that's why. Yeah. Which like, fighting championship, was, yeah. But it, it was it was Eagles Fight Club and Eagles Fight Fighting Championship. Mm. Oh, like okay, there you go. It's, it's the same it's the same promotion but if you look at their instagram it was like eagles fight club and if you look mm. at their twitter it was eagles fight championship so like i think it's interchangeable bro like one, really one fc one championship it's the same shit it's the one i don't know what we're talking about um so jumping into the prelims this fight is one that uh we definitely didn't get wrong or maybe you got wrong did you bet on casey you bet on casey o'neill didn't you I thought you. I thought you took the younger girl. I usually do. I will admit to that, but I can never Maybe bet I against my girl Ariana Linsky. Oh yeah, that's the girl right there. Never bet against her. I will never you think forgive of her performance? my guy Drew, man. Uh, I will never forgive my guy Drew. I'm going to start with that. I saw Ariana Lipsky in person in the flesh in San Diego, and me and Drew were sitting cage side, and she was walking out for a fight, and we made a deal, right? Because he loves uh, was it Cynthia Calvillo, I think. And so we made a deal. I was like, dude, when she walks out, I'll get a video of you like walking up, getting the dap up from her as she's walking past. You do the same for me with Ariani, bro. Ariani literally like this. We did this when she was walking out. And then I get my phone back from Drew and the video this guy recorded is a video of his own leg and him squealing like a fucking girl, bro. (laughs) And I literally, as I'm watching the video, he just is looking at me. He's all, I'm sorry, bro. I fucked that up. Oh no! I really dropped the ball game, my guy. I apologize. Like, like my best. Phone, he's like, I got you, and he's all, Ariana. <laughs> so um, no, no, I was shaky and everything. Oh, yeah, bummer. It happens. It happens. We're not photographers. I mean, none of us claim to be, but when it counts the most, you hope to at least get that one pick, don't you? <laughs> oh man! Oh man! You got I mean, you got to at least get the one pick, anyways. Um, or snag you know, as many as you can in the moment. Yeah, uh, I know this it. year when we go. So, either way, um, yeah, and you know, if that's the case, you'll be there. So hopefully, you'll you'll get a video or a picture. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> now jumping Damn into straight. the actual fight here, guys. Uh, Ariani, the queen of violence, Lipsky, went in here against King Casey O'Neill. You got to think that the matchmakers had a field day with this one, guys. Um, the king versus the queen. Let me just uh, go ahead and go off the cusp here because I totally left my notebook that I took notes on throughout the fight card in the fucking living room, uh, and I'm not going to go get it. But I remember everything I uh, wrote down because I'm the guy that wrote it, folks. So one of the things that I wrote down is this. Just like in a game of chess, the queen is far more powerful than the king, right? The king carries more weight with the name and obviously the importance of the piece, but the queen is the one that is able to dish out damage, or as Ariane Lipsky likes to call it, violence so the queen of violence went out there did the thing made it look so good while doing it 86 to 32 on strikes landed the girl was throwing volume 152 strikes thrown okay the fight didn't even last seven minutes so after six minutes and 18 seconds is all it took for young ariani lipsky to get the submission, she got a beautiful arm bar. It honestly looked like she snapped Casey O'Neill's arm out of place there for a minute. Definitely was hyperextending it. Didn't look like it was a fun time to beat King Casey. 
And uh, though I do think King Casey will come back better than ever from this, it definitely wasn't her night. And it was Ariane Lipsky's night. She looked great on the feet. They call her the queen of violence for a reason. Uh, if you Google her, she has this beautiful picture of her with like the, the old style, like Muay Thai head wrap and stuff. Uh, there's a reason for that, right? Like she used to fight in, in very exciting MMA fights, even before the UFC. And a lot of those were very striking, heavy fights. So yes, she won by submission, but everything was set up by the striking landing more than double her opponent in both significant strikes and total strikes and going one for one with a 100% takedown ratio. She just simply looked beautiful. Um, I mean, she, she looked fucking phenomenal out there. Mad Max Meridian said, I kind of thought they could have stopped it from all the strikes. Well, before the arm bar, she was getting hammered and looked out for a minute. I literally was yelling at the top of my lungs. Like you can stop it. You can stop the fight now. Um, I forget who was refing, but if I had to guess, I'd say probably fucking Chris Tyone because, you know, he's just out there always trying to catch a body, folks. Oh, shots fired. I mean, I'll, I'll always fire a shot at that guy. <laughs> not a fan. Um, not no, interested. Interesting to hear your thoughts on this fight and more so just the performance of Ariane Lipsky. Did you feel like it was domination from pillar to post or what? Dude, for the most part, I do, honestly. I mean, Ariana fucking Lipsky looked like a beast out there on Saturday night, bro. Not only did she look, like, literally look mean and angry going into the fight and right from the bell, uh, but like you said, man, from pillar to post, she looked big, she looked strong, and she looked really focused in there, right? And everything like Olin's uh, boxing here in the background for you audio listeners, very purposeful. Everything was like, right on the money, but it had ill intentions behind it. And it did feel like at one point, and you don't see it too often, but there, sometimes you, you kind of want to keep an eye on, on body language. It's hard to read, right? It's called body language for a reason. I mean, sometimes it's more obvious than other times, but what you'll see is sometimes in their body language, you'll, you'll kind of be able to know if a, a fighter is winning, maybe they're more confident, or on the other side of that, maybe when they're defeated. Maybe when they're getting a little gassed out or even just that, that soul leaves their body a little bit. There were a few moments in that first round. Not only did uh, Casey O'Neill get starched, I think uh, Ariana Lipsky hit her with like a three-piece in the first round. You know, uh, I stumbled her. She recovered well, but to Matt Max's point, she may not have been fully recovered even in that second round at all. So I, I think to that point, maybe as a re uh, ref, maybe you're factoring that in of, hey, if I see anything, if I see any lack of, um defense on her side you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be quick to call it because she may already be out with the lights on right uh the lights are on but no one's home kind of a scenario there but man absolutely you know to give lipsky her flowers man absolutely phenomenal performance uh stole the show really put on for uh the women fighters i mean you want to talk about her master class uh going in there and being able to one just kind of prove you're the alpha female in the octagon but also be a little beat her at her own game. She stuffed the initial takedown, like you mentioned, and then she was able to get that takedown of her own, followed up by the badass jujitsu uh, arm bar there. She's well-rounded, man, and Joe Rogan mentioned it throughout the commentary. She's starting to show that next development in her game, and I couldn't agree more with that. She's evolving just like a you know Charmander to a Charizard for you Pokemon fans out there. So sky's the limit for her, man. At this stage in her career, I'd love to see her get a crack at the top 15, Shake it up. There's a lot of exciting names there. Even if I go all the way to the top 10, even number nine at Amanda Hebas, 
Not that I want to throw her into, you know, that lion's den. But, man, anybody in the top 10, I, I would love to see her matched up with. I don't know if anybody's on the tip of your tongue. Um, There's definitely somebody on the tip of my tongue. Talk to me now. Tracy Cortez. Oh, brother, I was thinking that in my head, but I didn't know if that was too high. Let's go. High mind, baby. <laughs> I mean, like, I just feel like that's, like, that's what the UFC is trying to do here lately. Like, if they have a girl that's extremely, like, well-rounded oh and, like you and say good, hot and and also like extremely good looking yes. they want to put her against someone else that is extremely well-rounded and also extremely good looking a la like Paige van zandt versus the karate hottie being a headliner over uriah faber in his retirement fight there's a reason they did that yeah like facts <laughs> so, Paige van zandt versus rachel ostovich i mean these you know this is on the record these things happen <laughs> yes these things happen. Um, and we like we like we like it when these we things love happen. that. Yes, we're here for uh, that. We we love that for them. So uh she's training at a King's MMA. I think she's an absolute beast. Um I mean, she finishes more often than she doesn't as far as wins. Like 35% of the time they're knockouts, 24% of the time they're submissions, only 41% of the time when she wins are they decisions. And even when it is a decision win or loss for that matter, whoo, she's out there putting in work, folks. Um Facts. so I, I think that's a great fight for her. I think it, it's got to be either Tracy Cortez or, um, I mean, oh, God, I fucking don't want to do this, but, okay, Tracy Cortez or Natalia Silva. Natalia Silva is a... Which is, it brings everything is, that I just mentioned in the reasoning behind picking Tracy Cortez. So, like, you know, th- those are my two options. Um, Natalia Silva's, I mean... She's one of my she, favorite up and coming female fighters. She's next level, man. Yeah, she's got some really great skills. Also from Brazil, we have I believe. To add her, we have to add her to the list on uh, women's breakout fighters this year. We should, absolutely. I think so. I think so. Yeah, with that win over KGB Lee, hate to, hate to sorry, you know, it's okay, no, it's your bro. Girl. I, I know KGB Lee, and like she's, you know, we worked together at one of my mm-hmm. first my, at my first restaurant job. Like it happens, bro. But you know, it happens, brother. wins and yep. losses are part of the sport. And Natalia Silva, bro, like she's a fucking. She's beast. on the up and up, absolutely. She's a beast. A lot, lot that uh, UFC can do this upcoming year. I know Dana White never shies away from saying he's going to put together some banger cards. There were some announcements that he made too over the um, over the weekend in terms of the Miami card that's coming up. Uh, UFC 300, he says, going to be legendary. Saudi Arabia, he said, it's going to be next level. Day after my birthday. Here we go. We flying to London. I that's that's kind of what <laughs> I might what be insinuating here, <laughs> brother. Uh, <laughs> might have to. MMA anomaly and co takes London. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, hey. When in Rome, does the Romans do? When in London, how to do more graphics and stuff, man. Uh, I could, I could definitely put together a London graphic. <laughs> I mean, I may or may not have already looked at the tickets for the Anaheim uh, pay per view. Just saying, I may or may not have already looked. They're pricey. They are pricey. I, mean, I looked. <laughs> I looked. I mean, look, look, look. Next time you're thinking about looking, you should really let me know before tickets go on sale because I, I pay for the link to get the pre-sale. Oh, that's right, huh? And you get a significant. That would have been the way. Yeah, that probably would have been the way. Ian, Ian got tickets. Oh, did he? Juice Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy. He offered. He offered. He he has the uh, fighters link too, so he offered to send the link in the chat. Nice. And Dan, I was so like, you got, is, is he going with anyone or just like a? Do you know? I'm, I'm sure he's gonna end up going with like Cub and them. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who he went. He because he went International Fight Week when we went to the expo. He didn't go to the expo, but he went to the card. 
And, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Went with Cub Swanson, and then uh, I was hoping I'd get to fucking meet Cub, brother. But Cub was tired after the after Fair. the fight, so he went back to his <laughs> hotel. Yeah. And then uh, I went down and met up with Ian and uh, his jujitsu coach, um, Heber. Hey. Yeah. Uh, so That's a crew I have a shot right there. Um, I've, and, you know, we don't do shots alone here, so you have a shot to do, too. Uh, ready, Cody baby. Garbrandt. And I'll also the do this shot in celebration to my boy from Sacramento, baby. Bro, this is the first <laughs> time... I have ever bet against Cody Garbrandt in my life. And this is the last time I've ever bet against Cody Garbrandt in my life. <laughs> Man. Brutal. That was, that was upsetting. Um, what's crazy is like they landed the same exact number of strikes, dog. I know, but boy, not all but strikes are different. equal. Because if you were watching that fight, it was uh, they were knocked up in the same cloth, my brother, as jo- John Anik would like to say. Uh, boy, did Cody look good, man. At first, for Brian Kelleher, looked fucking good, though. Yes, and Cody made the adjustment. He was using that athleticism, and he was getting out of there. And he was throwing those uh, punches and bunches, man. I love seeing him do that, man. A little caution to the win. I think he kind of realized, I have an extra step here. I'm just going to... Kind of bum rush him, but it was fun seeing him throw those flurries, man. And <laughs> it was it hurt a couple times. It was good. A little vintage, a little vintage Cody Garbrandt. A little vintage Cody. I wasn't mad about it. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, no, I mean, nice. yeah, and I know we're kind of ping ponging here, but yeah, I mean, again, it, he looked crispy like bacon out there, brother. That was like the one note I had. Absolutely everything he was throwing had a ton of steam on it. He looked good with his hands up, he's keeping the high guard. Um, he, and the one thing I mentioned too, after was he, uh, two, well, two things, great call out after one, he mentioned, uh, training with other, obviously his gym. I mean, Josh Emmett's in there. Um, Andre touchy Philly's in there. He mentioned Matias Nikolai is in there too. Another up and coming, uh, dude in the division. So he met, he actually specifically called him out and said, you know, training with these kind of dudes, like kind of up my game a little bit. Sure. And this is the next champion we're talking about here. And uh, I love to see it, man. I love to see this resurgence. I think just maybe it's the American in me or just the underdog. Love seeing you, anybody come out from the trenches, man, and make their way back. And and someone, when you have that kind of name, brother, you're always a fight or two away from contention. I love the call out. Made it very clear. This is who I'm calling out. That's a figure arrow. I forgot they were supposed to fight back in 2020. When he mentioned that, I was like, oh, shit. That's, there we go. There's a narrative. Dana White, if you're listening. Biggie's the answer, brother. I think that's the obvious choice, man. Curious to hear your breakdown, though, in terms of the fight or when Pressy with Cody or maybe what disappointed you with uh, Daniel Boom Kelleher. I know you're maybe running on him. But yeah. Yeah. And what do you think's next? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think you did a good job breaking it down. Basically, it was, you know, like in the old school movies when it's like kids about to fight other kids and one's like, I go high, you go low. Um, it was like that, but they were like going against each other. One was like, I'm going to go high. You're going to go low. We're going to see who gives up first mother. Um, and man, boom, Kelleher. He came in. Uh, I, I joked with Mary, like 30 seconds into the fight. I was like, yeah, no, one of those leg kicks are so heavy. Look, dude's got a dump truck. He's built like Norman Dumont. Um, seriously, like all his body weighs in his lower half. It's wild. And then you look at Cody and he's just like evenly distributed. Like his, his lower half is equal, probably like weighs exactly the same as his upper half. Cause upper half's fucking tank. Like, <laughs> so, and I don't know if it's just me, but he looked like 
big in there. Like he looked really he looked beefy, strong. Bro. He looked beefy. He looked really beefy. strong in there. Yeah, yeah. He beefy as hell. Um, yeah, he looked like beefy a quarter as pounder. Hell. Yeah, quarter pounder for sure. Um, quarter pounder with cheese at bacon. With cheese. Uh, oh, 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 baby. <laughs> so it's uh, talking He was out there, man. He was he was doing major damage. And uh, the thing is, like, he threw forty two strikes. His opponent threw twenty nine. Okay. They each landed 21. So he threw twice as many strikes and landed the same amount. Or he threw like 11 more strikes, I should say. But he landed the same exact amount, which is crazy to me. So Brian Kelleher was actually far more efficient with what he was throwing. He also only attempted 25 significant strikes and 17 of those landed, did Brian Kelleher. Now, Cody Garbrandt, of the 42 strikes he threw, 41 of them were considered significant strike attempts. Uh, That tells me he was not pulling steam on anything. Um, I both think that's the best and worst idea in going against Davis and Figueredo. Uh, because the way to beat him is to overwhelm him early. If you don't beat him by overwhelming him early, he's going to fuck you up in the later rounds, bro. <laughs> so, um, kind of a bit of a double-edged sword there. And, you know, that that is exactly what it is, right? So Cody Garbrandt is the double-edged sword. He is the glass cannon. Um, and I hate saying that because he he has been seen to be knocked out. He has been seen to repeat fatal patterns of his own in order to get himself knocked out or, or to the detriment of getting himself knocked out. We've seen it a la TJ Dillashaw, not once, but twice. Um, and it sucked for me to watch not once, but twice as fucking Drew rubbed it in. Um, man, but this was a great performance for for. Cody Garbrandt, I, uh, I'll never show the guy no love again. Big fan, big big fan. We'll always show him some love, and uh, I think it's time, dude. Figgy, figgy, then, figgy, can't you see? It's probably time for the match with Cody. Ooh, cheers to that, brother. Cheers to that with my shot glass from Santorini. Ooh, We're steam rolling, baby. We're steam rolling. We are steam rolling. And uh, speaking of steam rolling, I'll be honest with oh you guys. Oh my gosh. Irene Aldana versus Carol Hossa. What's funny is, uh, yeah, definitely Mad Max Meridian, got to agree with this, was not a big fan of Kelleher's haircut. Um, <laughs> the reverse mullet, or what do you call that thing? <laughs> the rat tail? The, the rat's nest. Because the rat dog. tails, yeah, that's right. It's the rat's <laughs> nest, dog. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 call that the I'm at the barber uh at six, but I got weigh-ins at six fifteen. <laughs> you nah, know, leave that. Leave that. Just leave it. I got I got weigh-ins, brother. I gotta make weight. Um I can't take credit for that. One of you guys said that in the MMA group chat on Instagram. With the way uh, his head folds, maybe he was just head maybe he just had his head lean back just enough and he just missed that part of his neck and <laughs> area just buzzed it all but that <laughs> One back no, neck you fold. You gotta ask for that kind of haircut. Oh you man, ask for that kind of haircut, um, or at least have a longer hair in the back so it looks like something. Yeah, of course, that was fucking <laughs> Mad Max in the fucking chat. Mad Max said uh, <laughs> rat's nest in the group chat. Rat's nest, bro. I mean, yeah, that's exactly that's what it is. It's a rat's nest. It's kind of like a uh, like the landing strip, you know. 
for the downstairs, but it's like the reverse landing strip. <laughs> God, bro, it's the worst. Uh, so there were at least like six or seven times where me and Daniel Cormier said like the same thing to the point. It was actually more that had to be more than that, because at one point, like it was so back to back. I said something. He said something. I said something. He said something. I said something. He said something. And then it's like the third time in a row at that, like one fight, I turned to look at Mary. and I'm like, all right, babe. You can. I think you just came to the realization that there's actually nothing special about me, and that all us Louisiana guys are actually just exactly the same. <laughs> and the dad humor probably doesn't like, <laughs> doesn't hurt either. <laughs> I literally was like, dude, he has a he has such an odd haircut. And the Daniel Cormier comes off mute on the mic. He's all, Brian Kelleher has a very odd haircut. I say, boy, that's odd. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's so odd, funny, isn't it? It's <laughs> odd, isn't it? Um, so Irene Aldana, though, versus oh. Carol Hosa. This fight was insane. Okay, it was so insane that I'll be honest with you, as soon as the walkout started, <clears throat> I started getting hungry. Not just for violence, but for foods. And so I asked, I asked Mary, I was like, hey babe, what do you want to do for dinner? And she's like, I don't know, what do you want for dinner? And I was like, we should pick something up. Um, you know, I'll put on a mask, run in courteously, and you know, pay and get it. Um and I decided to get tacos asadero. Uh, I had to get some birria. And bro, let me tell you, I realized a number of things. Okay. I realized A, well, I mean, I was always an Irene Aldana fan. Okay. But man, am I an Irene Aldana fan? I fucking love that woman, bro. She's a beast. She is such a badass. She has the the epitome of a Mexican fighting spirit in the UFC, bro. She is fueled by Modelo. If you cut her open, she bleeds Modelo, bro. Root for those for the fighting spirit. This podcast was not brought to you by Modelo, but man, I hope it is someday. Um, man, I was literally like, I, I, okay, we're driving to fucking Tacos Asadero. Mind you, I call in the order and I'm like watching the fight and I'm trying not to fucking yell into this guy's ear. I'm all, mm, oh, two video tacos, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, two auto bottle tacos, please. Oh, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I place my order. I, I literally have the phone set up with the fights plugged into my Bluetooth setup. So that way I've got it playing, you know, got it, got it propped up. So that way, if anything happens, God, I'm ready, bro. At a red light. Um, like a professional. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Get to the 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 parking lot, and, and Mayor's like, "Are you sure you're okay to run in? Like, are you willing to miss this?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And I look up, and they have it on the TV in the fucking taco shop. Yes, they do. But they're sweet ass. Love that. No, I walk in, and as I'm paying, dude, that's ringing me up is like occasionally looking back because it's in the third round, and I'm like, "He's all sorry." I'm like, "You're good. Me too." And that fight went nuts. That's that's her, their hometown kid right there. Bro, so check it out. Check it out. After the fight ends, like, and I'm done paying, I turned to my back and I realized they have two TVs in the whole place. It's a very small restaurant, but it's fucking baller, right? Tacos Asadero in California, in San Diego. It's chef's kiss good, bro. If you're around the area, make sure you go. The Autobata tacos, the Bidia tacos, all that stuff, super good. But I digress. I turn around as I'm about to walk out with my food and I realized... They have two TVs in the whole place, right? On one of them, they have the UFC fights. And on the other one, they have the Combatcha Global fights. Mexico's biggest, like, premier MMA fight. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Oh, shoot. What's <laughs> like, it called again? I've always been a fan of this place. Tacos Asadero. 
Hey. And then what's the... When um, you come and see me in San Diego, which it is your turn, um, we will absolutely. go. Absolutely, brother. Say less. Don't tell me really good time. Dude, it's honestly so good. They got the roasting spit, got the arabada meat. Oh, so fucking good. But let's go. That just lead. That just was a segue to lead me into Irene Aldana. The only thing better than that Mexican food was that Mexican fight. This woman went out there and fought like she had something to prove. Okay, between the two of them. Okay, fun fact: between the two of them, they threw six. 158 strikes combined in a 15 minute fight that is next fucking level between the two of them these women threw over 650 or they threw 658 strikes and they landed over 340 strikes so just absolutely ridiculous volume from these women. Absolutely ridiculous heart from these women. Oh, and mind you, usually when you see numbers like that, it's because somebody's laying on top, throwing weak, haphazard strikes, ground and pound that aren't actually doing a ton of damage. They're just trying to rack up points and get that easy ref finish, right? Or easy ref stoppage. Guys, there was one takedown attempt in this fight, and it didn't even go. There were zero takedowns in this fight. This was a kickboxing match in four-ounce gloves. Oh, and by the way, you guys, Irene Aldana, poor fucking gal, she didn't even get the memo that kicks were were actually uh, legal in here because she was just boxing. She was literally just out there like fucking Julio Cesar Chavez, just fucking throwing hands, doggy. She was getting after it. She just what she did to Carl Hosa's face after Carl Hosa was able to come in in that second round and take the second round from her, man, she busted her up. It looked like that woman got hit by an absolute truck and the truck's name was Irene. Bro, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this match. Um, I, I thought Irene Aldana showed that she beats just about any woman in that division not named fucking amanda nunez yeah brother absolute savage performance no doubt about it the uh fight of the night without again without a doubt i can't mention that enough uh and again i mean female fighters this card i mean they put on man love our women they make the world go around but my goodness i mean they showed out this is one you got to put in in the history books this is one you got to put on paper uh this is a clinic in terms of i mean everything let's break it down just from the initial first round i mean dude the narrative for me was that girl carol rosa had one thing and one thing in mind she wanted to chop that tree down man she was straight lumberjack mode you would have thought she was wearing some overalls and uh the red and black uh, plaid you know uh (laughs) crew neck and everything man uh, but again, 32 leg strikes. I thought Irene Aldana was going to collapse at some point. I mean, any mere mortal, especially someone like me, would have folded by maybe the second or third leg kick that she, land- that she I guess, absorbed. My goodness, brother. I mean, talk about weather in a storm. Talk about being able to dig deep, right, for 15 minutes, going back on that stool. No, and you know what? I'm not going to be able to fill this leg for the next two weeks. Don't care. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to establish my jab. I'm going to get my boxing. I know one thing and one thing only, 
And that's to outbox anybody they put in front of me. And it's exactly what she did. Absolutely savage performance, man. I mean, and when you look at the strikes, everything considered, it was pretty darn close. And again, Kuro Rosa landed 95 leg kicks throughout this 15-minute fight. Absolute legendary numbers. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, like it's crazy to think about how much striking was going on. It was high level. They were countering. They were weathering the storm. You mentioned, you know, Carol's face. Irena's face was beat up and busted and bloody as hell, man. I mean, whoa. (laughs) Some of the pictures you see, I mean, if you don't follow some of those Instagrams or, you know, social media pages, worth a follow or worth a Google as um, Zach Alphanakis would say, it's with Google. But, um, with Google. yeah, man, all, with Google. Uh, you're absolutely right, though, brother. I, man, Irene Aldana is one bad stretch your mouth. And um, I'm I'm excited to see what's next for her. I mean, it, if I'm her, I'm not settled for anybody outside of the top five, which is where she sits currently. Some of them are already tied up, but there is somebody that has not fought yet that, uh, you know, I mean, he did fight Amanda Nunes last as well. I'm talking about a Juliana Pena. That'd be a fun one. I don't know if it's for the title or if it's just for a number one contender match, but I'd love to see her get back in there with another top contender. What do you think, brother? Ooh, we not mad about it. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really, really not mad about that. Um, I literally had. Maeda Bueno Silva, Raquel Pennington, and Juliana Pena as my my three on my list. Um, I think any of those names make sense. Obviously, there there is some. Um, well, and Ra- Raquel Pennington is going to fight Myra Bueno Silva in um, January twentieth. Yeah. So maybe there's some implications there. Maybe maybe you know maybe the stars align. The only align. reason that I that I didn't just say Juliana Pena outright is because Juliana Pena, as much as I like her, uh, we've seen her sit out a little bit here. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if she sat on another eight months and I don't think that Irene is that chick. So, um, I think she'll probably fight whoever ends up winning the vacant belt between cause I, Mayra Bueno Silva and Raquel Pennington, they're fighting for the vacant belt, uh, to my knowledge. So winner of that. Is that? Oh shoot. Well then, yeah, then hell yeah. Winner then- of that first, first title defense should be Irene after, after that fucking fight. Bro, give that chick a chance, bro. Like, she's such a badass. And I truly, like, name another person that lasted 25 minutes with Amanda Nunez and, like, actually didn't just look like a pen cushion. Um, yeah, that is for the vacant title. No, yeah, that's a great point, brother. And, yeah, that is for the vacant title. The only reason I had to say, like, that didn't look like a pen cushion is because, like, no offense, I if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong here, um, Definitely a few shots in. Definitely a little bit sick. Uh, <laughs> but I believe Felicia Spencer, if memory serves me correct, actually lasted the 25 minutes against her. And I know I'm a fucking heartfelt idiot, but I actually put a small, small, small sprinkle on uh, Felicia Spencer that night. I know she wasn't going to win, but I, I still was like, you know what? I really like her story. She seems like a nice lady. Uh, <laughs> Maybe she can survive. She did survive. Uh, but maybe that's what the bet should have been. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, Irene Aldana, I think she's done everything she needs to to earn that chance. Um, sure, Carajosa is not the biggest name in the world, but she's a beast. Um, she's somebody that's very stout, very strong, and presents a lot of problems for most other people. 
speaking of people presenting problems, fucking Alonzo Menafield. Doesn't matter if you hit him more times than he hits you. His nickname is Atomic. His nickname is Atomic. Oh, boy. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> uh, yep, I got to pour my shot up. But um, yeah, Atomic Alonzo Menafield, brother. He, Although I thought our boy Dustin Jacoby was going to find a path to victory. You want to talk about riding the roller coaster of ups and downs, side, left, loop-de-loops. This fight had just about everything, brother. Um, both guys were dazed. This felt like a UFC uh, video game fight. <laughs> you would think these guys with the chin that they displayed and the amount of strikes they were absorbing, the pace they maintained here for the full uh, 15 minutes at a light heavyweight, uh, well, light at the light heavyweight division, I should say. Uh, you love to see it, man. I mean, again, from a strikes perspective, Dustin Jacoby technically landed more significant strikes, but not all strikes are created equal, right? And um, it did just feel that the takedown in the last round, the knockdown towards the end, a lot of times it's how you finish, especially if the first rounds are a toss-up. Um, all around, great performance by Alonzo, man. And sky's the limit for him. I mean, maybe he's... Uh, let me double-check the rating here before I make myself look like a complete buffoon. But if he... He is 14 now. Yeah, he jumped Justin Jacoby. Justin's still 15. Alonzo is now 14. Boy, there's some exciting names there to maybe square him off against. Maybe Ryan Spann. It's a name that looks kind of uh, scrumptious to me. Maybe a Volkan Ozdemir if he's willing to go down. I don't think he would if you're him. But curious to hear your thoughts on the fight and uh, maybe what's next for uh, Alonzo, who's now in the top 15, baby. I'm just going to come right uh, right out with it right away, my friend. Uh, I also had Superman Span on my list here, baby. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Hi, I mine. Uh, I did. Um, I also agree with Mad Max Viridian here. Anthony Smith wouldn't be terrible. Uh, you know, I don't think that'd be a terrible idea, but I also think it would also be a terrible idea. It'd be a retirement uh, because, fight for Anthony Smith. How dare you, Mad Max? <laughs> uh, Anthony Smith just fought another big buff guy that looks like an action figure that has freakish power. Um, I don't want to do that to Anthony Smith again. That's why I left him off this list. I'd rather just see him on podcasts with a one-eyed British guy. Um, personally. So, that being said, going to go ahead and jump into the performance here. Alonzo Atomic Menafield versus Dustin Jacoby. Dustin Jacoby landed 113 of 171, while his opponent landed 95 of 145. Obviously, uh, very close in range of efficiency. We had 65.5% clip versus 66.1% clip by way of total strikes. When it comes to significant strikes, Dustin Jacoby was actually the more efficient man out there, landing 93 significant strikes over 68 significant strikes of his opponent at a 62% clip over a 58.1% clip. Again, Dustin Jacoby didn't even attempt a single takedown. His opponent went 50% on takedown. If you look at the actual stats on paper and you didn't watch the fight, you'd be like, what went wrong? This was a robbery, folks. Dustin Jacoby won this fight. Um, but the crazy thing is his opponent only knocked him down once. Literally. Physically. But man, oh man, if Dustin Jacoby were just about any other light heavyweight outside of a young man named maybe like John Jones 
uh, or like Rashad Evans fucking prime. Dude, come on. He was landing bombs. Dude's nickname is Atomic for a reason. He's got bombs for hands. Um, I mean, it was just ridiculous, man. Like he was he was landing those crazy straights and, and the overhands were just disgusting, right? Um, not only the the power that he lands, but the timing that he has is actually very impressive for a big old boy. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a big old boy. And he, he picks his strikes very, very well. So again, very, very high accuracy clip, especially for a light heavyweight that just likes to slang and bang. Um, I truly think that if the knockdown didn't happen and if Dustin Jacoby, and I say this with a grain of salt because the man ate fucking bombs, should have gone to sleep multiple times. I think he actually did go to sleep multiple times, but he willed himself to stay up. Um, I screamed like a schoolgirl. How is this fight still going? Uh, numerous times. So great on him. But if he somehow had an even better poker face, maybe he would have won that fight because he outlanded his opponent on both significant strikes and total strikes. But I digress. This is based on damage dealt in Alonzo Manafield. That's the only thing the man knows how to do is fucking deal damage. So with that being said, like I said, man, I, I, I truly think that Superman span is the next most likely opponent for him. Um, it's the one that I care to see the most. If I had to choose one, man, if, if that's not the case, like you said, Vulcan Ozdemir would be a good one. Um, but I don't think Vulcan Ozdemir would be willing to fight down. I do think Nikita Kraloff would be willing to fight down, and that would also be a fun fight to make. That's my kind of uh, bridesmaid pick. I like that. <laughs> I like that. High and low. It's solid. Now, Alonzo definitely put himself in the conversation. I mean, he that was a gritty win over a savvy veteran. He's- so... Light heavyweight's a very shallow division. I'd say he's maybe Max. three fights away, man. Oh, yeah. If the stars align, absolutely. And there's going to be some shakeups. I mean, there's some old names ahead of him. I mean, yeah. To your point, two, three away for sure. Absolutely, brother. And with that being said, we do have a shot to do on Justin Jacoby. Fuck us. Cheers to that. Better decisions. Yeah, man. And oh, man, yeah. man, oh man, I think I'm gonna. Well, I'll pour myself another one here because I'm pretty sure I got this one wrong. I bet against my Sacramento native. And um, well, for as short as the fight was, maybe we keep the commentary that brief. Shot. That way, we don't just keep doing shots every fucking fight. I'll, I'll we save. Will. We will. Uh, you save that shot for the next one that I have to do since uh, I, I bet on Tony. I got you. I'll save that one for you. But boy, oh boy, I mean, what a strike that Josh Emmett landed on Pat, um, on our boy Bryce Mitchell, man. Um, it, it was one of those things like, and if you've ever just thrown a punch or if you practiced in any capacity on a bag or if you've actually done any formal training or if you've actually been in a fight, that kind of like ducking overhand right that Josh landed, I mean, and for Bryce to be like, ducking right into it boy that must have felt like like a knife going through some warm butter or something because that was on the money i think anybody would have been dropped after that punch curious if you had any thoughts i mean there's really not much else to elaborate on other than it was really scary after definitely that was 
not fun seeing Bryce in that condition. Uh, obviously, we got the initial all oh, the confirmation after in the press conference from Dana. He was fine. Everything's you know good to go. But um, our boy Josh Emmett, man, I mean, put himself right back in the conversation again. And uh, it's weird when you look at the timing of everyone above him there in the top. He's ranked six. So everyone above him in the top five have dance partners. They have something going on. I mean, Max Holloway, I think, technically does not. But Dana White, I feel like, has something brewing up his sleeve. I don't think that's Josh Emmett. Maybe you rebook him against Giga Chikadze. I mean, that'd be fun to watch still. You know, that's a good fight. Good two top-ranked opponents. But um, here's your thoughts on anything in that short fight or anything that stood out. And maybe what's next for Josh Emmett. So this is obviously a breakdown show. Um, I want to point out a couple things in this breakdown. Okay. Uh, so first things first, obviously the, the elephant in the room, as I like to call it was the fact that Bryce Mitchell was not fighting his normal Bryce Mitchell style fight. He was not pressuring forward. He was not stealing and controlling the pace of the octagon. And he was not dictating the dance, as I like to say, um, he was doing none of the Bryce Mitchell things. Uh, he was acting like he thought the earth was round out there. He just seemed like a completely different person, folks. And uh, it just, it, it wasn't for me. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm being honest. Okay. I'm being honest here. Uh, so the, the guy was coming out there and he also was uh, standing very straight, but when he would throw, right, he'd lean forward and pull his hands down almost like pulling a cloth, right? Like pulling himself to his face to protect his chin, um, which is fine because that's good. Like you want to protect your chin, but he's already ducking his chin. So you actually want to something that my Muay Thai coach at victory says is uh laser, right? You want to, you want to treat your, your fists like they're laser beams that come from your eyes. And that's going to teach you to keep your hands on those laser beams. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I'm saying? They come from the eyes it's laser beam. So, um, he wasn't doing that. He was pulling as he's coming down and then throwing. And um, what happens when you do that is it's you versus me. It's me versus you. If you're the skinny kid from the farm, I love that you got the Southern guy strength. I get it. I'm from the South. I got the same shit, like unsuspecting. But at the same time, I'm also not known for one shot knockout power and neither is fucking Bryce Mitchell. So you probably shouldn't act like he is. Going against a guy that is known for that in, you know, the fucking orc king, as Max Meridian said it. Like, we're talking about the Italian Stallion's little brother here coming out of Mount Doom himself. All right. Uh, he, he is just an absolute beast. He looked absolutely nasty. And the reason that this worked is because both men, I'm going to take my headphones off here for a sec. You should still be able to hear me, obviously. Um, both men here, right? They were... Whenever they would strike, they duck forward and throw. Now, that works way better in favor of the guy that has, I don't know, a gym that literally has a patented thing called the alpha male overhand. Okay? So the guy literally comes in. And hits him with the alpha male overhand. Literally, this is something that they patented at their gym, essentially. Like, obviously, many, many people throw the overhand. But when you have a gym that's made a living off of it, 
I'm not going to put mine against yours. Come on. <laughs> I love that. And it feels like such a natural like movement. Like it's, I don't want to sit here and act like, you know, like I'm some founding father as well of that punch. But I always like in my head, like in my heart of hearts, like when it came to like a fight, like I always felt like people's first instinct is to come rushing at you or to come and throw that right hand. And I always felt like that right hand, hand counter, like di dipping your head off the center line, changing levels, and just leaving that fucking right hand to, with enough force and momentum to basically be a, a fucking moving club. I, I love that punch, brother. It just feels like a natural like movement that you could generate so much fucking torque into. And, and boy, did he do that bag too? Like how I do it with like the back side of my hand. That's the thing. Like, you have gloves. Yeah. Like, I've been trying to do that more and snap it off. Throw it, yeah. Based on what type of gloves I'm wearing, or if I'm not wearing gloves, like if I'm doing, if I'm just doing like hand conditioning, I'm not throwing it with my knuckles at all. I'm launching everything I have, and I'm turning my entire fist over and hitting you with the brunt backside of my fucking fist, and I'm breaking your whole face, dude. Like it's not fun for you. And if I have four ounce gloves on. I'm just leading like what sucks is like it, it doesn't do a good job showing it because like fucking look at the difference here <laughs> <laughs> for you audio listeners. I mean, it's like, it literally <laughs> his two hands are noticeably different shape and size. It's, it's comical. So, so obviously with my right hand, I can get away with hitting you with the small knuckles with the baby knuckles. Right. But for most like even MMA fighters, like for most fighters, you want to hit ideally with these top two knuckles. Because otherwise it looks like this <laughs> to where like these two do damage and these two will get broke a broken hand. Um, this is from hitting trees and like poles and like watching Muay Thai conditioning videos in Louisiana and being like, I can do that outside on a pecan tree. Uh, <laughs> so um, you do got this and you got this, right? If you're wearing a boxing glove though, like you could just boom, launch that whole hand over. You can even club fist. You can just, and like even even just hitting my hand, like it makes a nice sound, you know. So like, um, imagine hitting someone on the jaw lining with that. It's gonna make it even nicer sound. And the best thing about it is, if you're guarding, you keep this triangle. That overhand goes right inside that triangle. And the difference in the way that Bryce Mitchell throws it, not because he's doing it wrong, folks. It's because he's choosing the wrong shot selection over the wrong fighter. He's fighting someone that fights with a low sense of gravity. If we're the same height, right? I can hit you with an overhand all day. If I'm lower than you, I can hit you with an overhand all day. If I'm higher than you, it's harder because I have to like come way down on it. And it just makes it more exaggerated, leaves me more open. So I almost have to lean farther forward in order to get it to do that same jackknifing kind of feature and, and amount of torque and pressure and just overall guttural fucking impact, man. Whereas the orc from Mordor, we're talking about the king himself. We're talking about fucking. We're talking about Josh Emmett, guys. Uh, he he's already so low when he throws these strikes that it's just like the earth is coming up to knock you out instead of him, man. It's so fucking nasty. And the way he hit Josh Emmett was just disgusting. Um, or sorry, the way he hit Bryce Mitchell was just disgusting. And so many dude thank you mad max meridian that's literally what I was, I was about to say the sound of that punch when they were like let's listen to the sound of it in, in live in real time 
when they played the sound, bro, I got a little bit nauseous. Like that sound was gross. And then people online say like, oh, I've never seen anybody twitch like that. I literally commented on like five different posts that night and was like, go look up Edson Barboza versus Terry Adam kids. You're obviously new here. Um, <laughs> it, it's not a fun sight to see though. Like the way, like, you know, I'm big on analogies. For those of you that are listening and or watching, if you did see that knockout, best way to describe it is you've you've heard a car backfire. You've seen a car backfire. That is a brain backfiring. That's what that looks like. That's <laughs> such a good call. Such a good call, brother. He made his brain stop firing on all cylinders for a moment. Like, and then when he stood up, I was yelling like a fucking I, I was worse than Joe Rogan, bro. I was like, give him a fucking stool. He's going to lock his leg out, break his own fucking knee, bro. He's going to like, yeah, do don't let him walk. walk. Don't let him walk. No, yeah. He was saying it and you couldn't tell. And then you yeah. You can see- let him walk out of the cage. What are you doing? It sucks. You can't really see it, but obviously if how Adam and Joe was about it in my head, I'm like, okay, he must be walking on stilts and it doesn't take much. Like oh, it doesn't, I can see knee- it. it was you gross. See it? His knee was locked. His dude, when he was trying to stand, he tried to walk over to Josh Emmett after the fight. His knee locked out seven times. And even that's when not like, that's scary. That's not good. That big. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that girl on the <laughs> runway. Being a dick, like his shit was locked, <laughs> locked out like seven times in like an eight step walk. We got to cue in that video of the girl walking on the runway where like every time she steps, she's like breaking her ankle, like the heels snapping. She's just like, oh, oh, oh. It was basically, yeah. It was so bad. bad. Like, it was bad. Not I, to I make a lot of the situation, but like, it was bad. I genuinely yeah. worry that like he's going to, we're going to hear in like six days, seven days, like, oh, I tore my ACL on one leg, my MCL on the other. Not even from the fight, <laughs> from the walk out of the octagon because of the negligence. Yeah. I mean, again, if and if y'all didn't get a chance to watch the fighter, if you don't know who Josh Emmett is, just Google an image of him and then imagine him basically treating his arm and his fist as a baseball bat and um, hitting you in the face. Seen, if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, um, the albino orc that protected Osgiliath and almost murdered Faramir in fucking Return of the King is Josh Emmett. That's Josh Amen. Facts. That is somehow the most insulting and complimentary thing. Let's go! A song! <laughs> fucking Mad Max Meridian, dude. Just gaining, gaining fucking respect points every fucking episode, Mad Max. Love it. I need to get a. I really need to get some Lord of the Rings sound bites uh, for the next episode. I think. Ooh, we should update some for the new year. That might be the only way I can do it without getting DCMA striked. I don't know. Fair. Fair. <laughs> oh man. Ugh. So uh, that was the first fight of the fucking uh, main card. The next fight of the main card. Oh, man. Oh, man. Look, Tony might not have won the actual fight, but I don't know if you saw fucking Patty Pimblett's foot after this fight. Tony did a lot more damage than Patty did. I'll tell you that. 
Patty's foot is a fucking balloon. His foot's fucked up, dude. It's like disgustingly large. Um, he posted it himself too. Or maybe ESPN. I think ESPN posted it. Um, it's disgusting. His foot. It looks like a balloon. It looks like the Michelin man for sure. Uh, oh, the horn of Gondor. That's one I could get away with because that's definitely less than 10 seconds. There we go. My fucking guy, Mad Max. Let's go. Um, Ooh, I'm looking at the picture right now. Oh, baby. Looks like he has. <laughs> looks like he has diabetes or something. Look at the overweight individual. He gout, does not bro. look good. He has a gout, bro. <laughs> he got the gout flu. Um, Tony gave that to him. Tony gave that Whoa. to him. Tony, Tony just calls it club foot. Uh, so here we are. Tony landed 90 of 134 strikes. He landed at a 67.2% clip uh, while Patty landed 151 out of 217. He looked like he was actually doing some pretty solid damage to Patty. Had Patty visibly fucking gassed in the third round. I'd like to think that's probably because Dave Goggins going out there and putting him through hell. All right. Making sure that he has cardio to go to the seventh layer of hair out there. Uh, All right. He was was imposing his will. Uh, Patty didn't make it a wrestling match or a patty cake match. Tony probably would have got it done. Um, he was in the corner too, so you know he's sounding that as they're going in. That was shocking. All all jokes aside, like Dave Goggins is somehow very inspiring, but equally parts cheesy. Um, oh brother, I mean, he's his next level. (laughs) He's the next level individual. Yeah, he was next level. Um, I thought Tony did a really good job. If anything, and again, like on the records. On the win-loss ratio, Patty got a win. Tony got a loss. Okay, but I'm going to go ahead and just flip the cards here and say straight the fuck up. That uh, I think the roles are reversed. I think Patty lost more in this in this fight than he gained. He went out there against a quote-unquote washed and aged and slow Tony Ferguson, and he was gassed by the third round, was eating shots, and if he would have been brave enough to leave that fight standing, he probably would have lost it. Yeah, I oh, mean, crazy. honestly, it, no, it felt like Patty did just enough to win. I mean, huge shout out to Tony Ferguson, El Kukui, Hall of Famer, legend, had one of the best runs in the early, well, 2000, what was it, 13 to 2020? I mean, it was something to be Longest bold. win streak in the division to the longest loss streak in the UFC. Or second longest loss streak in the UFC, if you include the bar fight loss uh, for BJ Penn. Man, and it's crazy. You would never think you'd see it, especially if you would have told me this You know, when we were working together at Yelp a few years ago. But even now, if we were working, or I mean, you know, back when this all started, 2013, 2014, I would have never thought we'd see the day. Um, but that's what happens when you make it this close to the sun, that Icarus effect that now everybody you fight is basically on their way to a world champion you know and it sucks during the, some of the lead up to this you you hear tony ferguson mentioning it like yeah you know i give the ufc some bones i was taking these fights i shouldn't have against dudes giving them these platforms but in re- the grand scheme it's like no i mean you're really just just losing to better fighters man it's not it's not as much you lose as much as them just beating your ass, right? It's them winning. You know, the 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 competition's passing you up, right? And it's like that old timer that still talks about in his glory day or 
you know, it's that kind of scenario. But again, I don't want to get off track here. Tony Ferguson, man, absolute legend. Love him to death. I mean, a one of one character uh, did kind of lose his fastball, even in the press conference, but obviously in the octagon as well. And Patty the Batty did just enough to win the fight, but still just doesn't wow me in terms of someone that I look at. I don't see champion at that lightweight division. I just don't. I mean, even the best version of Patty Pimblett, I don't think can contend with the guys in the era right now. Like in today's saying it's for the next two to five years. I don't see a realm that Patty Pimblett is going to be able to beat those individuals. He's 28 years old. I mean, his best chance is that, you know, his age is on his side and that he can make some serious strides in the cardio realm, in the striking division. Um, we know he does have a good, you know, wrestling and, and uh, clinch game, but how does he do when it comes to jujitsu and can he be crafty there? But all things considered, I don't see a future champion here. I do see a cash cow. I do see somebody that can certainly demand popularity that whoever signs up to fight against him is, is going to be getting probably more Instagram followers going to be getting the, the eyeballs, but I don't know who's next. I mean, to say top 15, I mean, when I look down that list, brother, it's a murderer's row and I don't know who he beats on that list. I don't think he beats anybody. Maybe drew Dober or Bobby green, just because they're on the latter end of their careers, but they could put leather on his chin, man. What are your thoughts? I think Drew Dober absolutely destroys that young boy. Uh, and I also think Bobby Green's probably a pretty bad matchup for him as well, young man. Um, so we actually have a shot to do. You have yours for the last fight. I have mine for this fight. Thank God we stacked them instead of just doing two on two. Facts. Sometimes we got to you know, work smarter, Sometimes not harder. You know what I'm saying? Cheers, folks. Thank you, brother. Cheers. Here's to Tony's career as well. Cheers to Tony's career. Oh, nice um, mug, man. Is that a is that Frosty the Snowman? It's a little snowman. Yeah, I got a snowman for me and a snowwoman for her. And is he holding a cup? That's freaking cool. Yeah. This is what we usually do uh, our hot chocolate in, but I put my chaser in it tonight, you know, for funsies. Um, nice funsies. So <clears throat> fun fact, I'm a big movie guy, um, but for whatever reason, I've never seen No Country for Old Men. I, I really, truly need to what? watch that. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, Bro, that's a must. So Mary's Mary has a rule where like she doesn't like to watch movies that are sad and or someone dies in. Pretty limiting. Uh <laughs> Oh, it's gonna love that. <laughs> so uh gonna have to watch that one. Uh one of these same days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? So uh here we go. <laughs> well, keep her well away from that one for sure. Yeah, no sad movies. Uh so however, Mad Max Meridian did share a scene with me today from that movie that I had never seen. Um, and as he said here in the chat, no country for old men. Owen and I talked about it earlier. Give it a watch, can't say enough. Now uh, the the reason that he says that and the thing that stuck out to me from the scene that he sent me is um it felt very like a very much like Tony Ferguson in his career currently um he's the old dog he used to be known as the boogeyman right now the the scene went a little bit like this <clears throat> I don't know I feel overmatched I always figured when I got older God would sort of come into my life in some way he didn't. I don't blame him. If I was him, I'd have the same opinion about me that he does. And uh, I mean, it's a hell of a scene, right? Like 
I really feel for Tony Ferguson because he's that guy that fantasized and fantasized and fantasized. <laughs> um, the Louisiana enemy truly helped for that Southerness. Um, now I, I feel like he's one of those guys that he campaigned and campaigned and campaigned for this Khabib fight. And it, it was scheduled numerous times. It didn't happen. There was just forces that be that kept it from being from happening. Um, and he resented that and he held so much onto that. And I feel like almost because he didn't get that fight, he didn't put 100% of himself into everything else. And he almost forgot that just because you really want to beat this Khabib guy doesn't mean that there aren't thousands of other lightweights that are training to be the next Khabib. Or the next, I'm better than Tony and Khabib. Uh, and somewhere along the path, somewhere along the line, Tony lost the grit and he, he didn't realize that the division wasn't going to wait for him. And that if he if he wanted that moment, he was going to have to take it while he's young and while he had it in him to do so. Now, at, at this point in his career, Tony Ferguson is no young buck. Um, the guy is... I mean, he's an absolute beast, right? But he's also a 39-year-old beast. And I get it, okay? I'm with you. I'm with you, Nano. Tony Ferguson is the type of guy to go 136 miles an hour down the freeway and then come to a complete stop and realize he left his car at home. Um, Tony Ferguson might be the type of guy to tell Herb Dean to protect himself at all times. Um, I, I also read, <laughs> That's so I also good. heard... Uh, Tony Ferguson every night before bed actually checks his closet for Tony Ferguson. Uh, but here's the thing, guys. And out of the bed. Tony Ferguson is the type of guy that might need to retire. Um, I fucking love this fighter. I think he is a phenomenal fighter. But I think he's a 39-year-old fighter. Just like Wonder Boy is a 41-year-old fighter. Um, these guys are at the end of their, their leg, at the end of their career at the end of this path and the the best thing about this career or sorry, the best thing about being a fan of this sport is I feel like we get spoiled to this more so than soccer, more so than football, more so than baseball, more so than most sports where we get new superstars every weekend. As long as you're watching the early prelims, there's a new superstar to root for in your mind. But something that we also get catered to a little bit more often than most, in my opinion, is we get to see these same favorites, these same superstars age out very quickly. It's not a kind sport. It's not a patient sport. It's a sport with a very low shelf life. It's a sport with a very, very low window of opportunity. And if you don't seize it, um, you see yourself become a Tony Ferguson, someone that was the person with the highest win streak in the UFC 13 going to someone with the highest loss streak in the division of seven. So it's tough. It's hard, uh, but it's a part of the sport and it's, it's one of the things that keeps us coming back now jumping into Patty, Patty Pimblett. I'm not even going to pick a matchup for this guy. Cause I don't think he's worthy of it. I truly don't. Um, he didn't go out there and put it on him. He didn't go out there and do anything to him. 
I think he basically went out there and did exactly what he needed to do to win. And he barely did that. If I'm, if I'm calling a spade a spade here, as you know, I will, um, I'd rather jump into, uh, the next fight because, Oh boy, man, another similar narrative in the sense that, you know, the young up becoming star against the older aging star that, you know, really we don't want to see age. Different people outside of the octagon, obviously, right? And Steve Wonderboy, Tom Servers, Tony Ferguson. But boy, what an absolute fight, man. I mean, and to, I mean, we need to preface all this because when I just watched it as it happened, I thought, okay, Shavkat notices that Steven Wonderboy Thompson is somebody that is a legitimate threat on the feet. And he just did not want to like deal with that at all. I thought he was just making the business decision. In that he was you know, going to out-wrestle him, do what we all thought he was going to do, eventually take him down and get rid of him. But boy, uh, turns out that's it. Um, and shout out Laura Senko. Uh, he, but he dropped the news. Shavkat, that is, Rachmanov, mentioned that uh, six weeks ago, Laura Senko, he mentioned that he had a serious ligament injury in his ankle. And he was very, very close to pulling out of this fight, ladies and gentlemen. We almost didn't see it. Would have been heartbreaking. And I think he also realized, you know what? This is not good for my career. I can go in here and potentially get rid of this legend and keep my name as a potential number one contender. Boy, what a, what an absolute savage. Um, not sure how long he needs to be on the shelf for, if he's going to need surgery or what's going to happen from there. But all things considered, there's only one person I think that's next for our boy Shafkai Rachmanov. And I think that's Kamaru Usman for, you know, if... Assuming Bilal gets the title shot that he probably deserves at this point, you book Leon Edwards versus Bilal in uh, London or wherever they're doing it in the UK. And then you have Kamaru versus Javka as soon as they're both healthy. Winner gets the winner of Bilal versus uh, Leon. And then um, well, that sounds like our 2024 here for the welterweight division at the top. What do you think, brother? Hoo-wee! Kamaru Usman's not a bad pick. I'm not mad about it. Uh, I actually think Kamaru beat Shafkat. I think that's probably the best bet for someone to beat Shafkat. Um, again, got to call a spade a spade here. I got to call out things that need to be called out. And uh, the thing that needs to be called out here. <sighs> I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be. The cheating of Shavkat Rachmanov, folks. Come on. What? The young man cheated numerous mother effing times here, folks. Uh, I mean, come on. There were numerous times where I was literally looking at my TV and I'm like, is the ref going to call this, Mayor? What the is going on here? Like, seriously, he's cheating like 13 times here. Toes in the cage. Fingers in the cage. Fingers in the glove. Cheating mother. Honestly, bro, it was ridiculous. Um, he had one foot, man. Come some slack. He had one foot. And the <laughs> other one was in the fucking octagon, bro. <laughs> Come on. What the? <laughs> I'm just a fan, man. I just wanted to see him do good, all right? <laughs> I like Shavkat, bro. Like, I'm I'm, I'm for the Kazakh, dude. If I'm, I'm being honest, him. if he was fully healthy, I think he would have beat the brakes off Wonderboy. And I think that would have diminished Wonderboy <sighs> a little bit. What we saw was... A fair way for him to go out. That was an easy execution, right? That was a uh, bullet to the back of the head. That wasn't 
that wasn't uh you know burning of the flesh that wasn't waterboarding that wasn't um any other vicious that was in guillotine the original guillotine this was you know just good old-fashioned you know easy money just hey I agree. I agree. I agree. I, um, you know, I like, as, as I said in the previous episode here, I thought Shafkat was probably going to be the winner, but Hart was telling me to vote for our guy, the Karate Kid. Um, your mind was telling him no. But my, but body, your body. my body's telling me, yeah, yeah, yeah. baby. Um, man, I, uh, yeah, so what do you think's next? I think I said it best, right? Like I, I, I literally said, it is the Karate Kid versus Cobra Kai, and you already know in my mind who we're fucking going for here. It's the Cobra Kai, okay? Uh, so we knew the Cobra Kai was going to go out there and get it done. Now I think the obvious pick is Kamaru, right? But I'm going to say fuck that. I'm going to say Hamza versus Shafkat. Shafkat versus Hamza. Hamza, Shafkat, Shafkat, Hamza, Hamza, Shafkat. Oh, is he going to say that division? Can he make the weight? I think he can make the weight. For a non-title fight? If he knows it's the number one contender, I suppose, right? I was going to say for a non-title fight. Fuck it. For a fucking contender fight. Come on. For that number one. Oh, damn. Look at those arms, baby. Sheesh. Come on, brother. Man, let's he made go. me want to go hit some arms right now. God damn, man. I got to flex up on this like that. Let's go, baby. They can't see it with the Christmas sweater. I'm like the T. I like the T Rex oh, right now. They're too long. It's like the T Rex. <laughs> let me let me at him. Let me at him. <laughs> okay, love to see it, baby. Um, I I truly think comes out versus Shafkat is like almost like a legend fight before they're even legends. Bro, that'd be so huge on like that side of the earth. Oh my gosh! Put that uh, on even like on our side too, brother. Main event in Abu Dhabi. Oh, they. I think they probably will, huh? I think they probably will. Throw them a bunch of money. Those Saudis will throw a bunch of money at them. Arabia card. They said they were going to do a card in Saudi Arabia specifically. So like, not and Dana in Abu White Dhabi. said specifically he's going to make it Saudi Arabia esque. He said it's going to be unlike any other event they'll put on. So. <laughs> How do you do that? I think you do book a Shavkat versus Kamzat. My goodness. You ready? Shavkat versus Kamzat in the co-main. And in the main event, in the main event, is it our boy Islam? Oh, how dare you. How dare you. Let's <laughs> go. To put that evil on me. <laughs> so um yeah i'm gonna tell you a little bit later in the in the episode here uh we still have two more fights to go over here so Stay uh tuned. Al- alessandra pantoja versus brendan arroyval um you i think you bet on alessandra here yeah i did man i did i mean i i felt like he was the easy horse to bet on this one and honestly i don't know again i just there was a lot of like just man gut uh I'd use my gut a lot on this one, but there are a lot the body language, brother. I was dialed in and it just felt like when I was watching Brandon Hoyval, how awkward he felt like in some of the pressers, like in the press conference, like even during the face-offs, just, just a part of me felt like he was giving Alexandre too much respect. And, and from a skills perspective, I knew that he wasn't going to be able to touch him on the ground. Keep flexing for us, baby. We all love that. 
they'll pay extra for that one. Um, but it, yeah, I just felt like he didn't have that edge to him. I almost wish, not that I would want to see a repeat of what Colby did, but I almost would have preferred like a little bit more of like, no, I'm going to go in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock his ass out or something, right? Like a little more edge to him. He's, he didn't have that if factor. And that's kind of what you saw in the, throughout the fight. He had maybe some moments, but for the most part, man, it was one-way traffic. What were your thoughts? Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Uh, it was absolutely... Uh, I don't want to say it was one-way traffic, actually. Because Brandon Roy Val, he, he did his fucking thing. And if I'm being completely honest, Brandon Roy Val landed over 150 more strikes than his opponent. So you can go fuck yourself with that one-way traffic. I'm just looking. Yeah, 281, my goodness. I might need to <laughs> 281 to 126. I don't know. I, like, have you Based watched on the feeling. No, maybe I need to go back because, I mean, he was very active, but it just felt like busy working away. I want to hear your breakdown because, I mean, his striking is next level, but I yeah. think just because I knew he was eventually going to get taken down and not be able to do much like that, just like, and it sucks, but unfortunately, that just kind of outweighs all the, the badass striking he was doing, right? Like in Muay Thai, he's probably a fucking champion. Like he is that good. I want to see a Brandon Roy Val get a Muay Thai or a boxing fight. I think that motherfucker is just an honest beast. Um, Alejandra, Alessandra Pantoja is a beast when it comes to the game of mixed martial arts, right? He is stunning with the grappling. Um, I really thought that Roy Val was going to get the the, uh, submission on him, whether it was from the top or the bottom. I truly thought he had it in him. Um, he didn't even he didn't even have one submission attempt on record for the fight, which is crazy to me. His opponent, however, had eight for 14 on takedowns. The guy shot 14 takedowns across 25 minutes, which is insane. A lot of work, a lot of pressure. Um, recovering from the flu. Said he felt dizzy in the fifth round. Said he felt dizzy during the presser. Or during the uh post-fight press kind of interview. Um tough man like i i get it i'm recovering from that shit right now and i'm not in a five round fight and i'm a little bit fucking winded you feel me um so it, it's tough but at the same time like brandon royval is he's a beast he outlanded him on significant strikes he outlanded him on total strikes um i i truly think that you almost have to base this i, I mean everybody will tell you this is based on damage if it's based on damage looking at these numbers hard to say that it was once it was one-way traffic and it's really hard to say that even uh pantoja won this fight right he got a takedowns in a round and then he would control his opponent every second they were standing it truly seemed like a better striker versus a more powerful striker and the more powerful striker is alessandra pantoja and the the better striker is brandon royval this is an unfortunate part of this game. Sometimes there are people that are gifted and born with strength deficits, right? Um, or, or rather strength advantages, not deficits. That's Alessandra Pantoja. The dude is a beast. He is super strong. The way that he's built, he is just a fucking animal. He's a manimal. Um, and his opponent, Raw Dog, is a, is a volume fighter. Like you give him a 25 minute fight and by all rights, like that should be his way to victory. That should be his path to victory, but it just, it hasn't proven to be against this guy. Now I think that if Moreno comes up and beats Pantoja, Roy Voss stands a better chance at beating Moreno than he does 
Pantoja, honestly, just because the stylistic matchup. It's Facts. volume versus volume at that point, and then Roy Val might fucking submit him. He's wily. He's scary. He he throws up attacks from every position. But we're not here to talk about him, right? He he did ultimately lose the fight. As much as I hate to admit it, I have to, I have a shot poured up because of it. Um, I'm gonna do it. In I'm right there with you, brother. Moment. I got you. Um, I got your back. I got your six. But you but know man, what? And this almost makes me want to challenge before, and not not to cut in too much here, but it almost yeah. makes me want to challenge the scoring system a little bit, right? Because it's like to break it down, like each round. Um, round one, Brandon landed 40 total strikes. Alexandre, 30 with the takedown. You could probably give him that one. The next round, I just, 80 I strikes, Brandon. Even on paper, right? What and I mean, if you're watching it, you could. If I take you down and I still land less strikes, did I win the round? That's the thing. And then you go to the next round, right? Round two, whole 80 total strikes for Brandon Hoyval, 24 for Alexandre, but he got the two takedowns. It's like, is that really outweighing it if you're ouch? I literally had rounds one yeah. and two for Brandon Roy Val, and I had round five for Brandon Roy Val. I didn't want to go on that tangent, but I had three for five for Roy Val. Yeah. Round three, 63 strikes for Brandon Roy Val. Again, outstriking Alexandre, 23, but he got the two takedowns and he stuffed one of Brandon's takedowns. But Brandon got a reversal. How much does that score? Like, what are these actually? scoring in terms of points or is it always just an arbitrary like oh i felt like this way is it more like does the wrestling actually outweigh double the amount of strikes or a reversal on the ground is that does that uh maybe disregard the takedown negate. or something right or yeah. negate thank you brother um yeah they're going in the last round at well round four 28 to one but the one takedown and a submission attempt but it's like so how, how are you striking these these rounds another reversal then the last one, 70 against 50, two takedowns, though. So it's like, and man, I mean, takedowns, he had one submission attempt. So how often are you being threatening from the top? And he got reversed twice. So you can in, in wrestling that I, I'm pretty sure reversal would score for the opponent. In wrestling a reversal would for sure fucking score. So that's where maybe you almost have to like, ooh, I think I just I think I just thought of it, bro. It's like in wrestling, in wrestling exchanges, you have a wrestling judge standing boxing, let's call it, or stand up. You have a boxing or kickboxing judge or Muay Thai judge. Jiu-Jitsu, you have a jujitsu judge that's actually scoring it. Like I'm pretty sure each of these disciplines have, but they all kind of scored and then it, it kind of gets weighed out maybe in that kind of way. I'd love that. Might be hard to do, but again, it's not hard. To do. More let's points or just more scoring. Yeah, weight stack. Yeah, Each round stack. you get. Each round can be more scoring. It it can, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the 10. Each round yeah. is a 10-point mud system. The weight stacking could be like if we're talking about damage, right? Overall, because because that's what UFC fans care about is overall damage, right? So Muay Thai slash boxing coach has 40%. Okay. And then we have 30% to takedown slash grappling and 30% to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Dude, I'd be honest, I'm here. Or like 30% clinch, 30% grappling, 40% striking. Because it would be nice to know. And again, and and if they're going to say, hey, like a takedown outweighs, you know, two to one punching. Yeah. Then, okay, then then damn, even, we all might as well be wrestlers. 33.33 but... repeating. We do 33.33 repeating. Striking, grappling, clinch. There's always going to be one guy choosing like... And if you win two blue. out of three, I suppose, right? Yeah. I mean, you technically have to win two out of three. So, yeah, probably better that way to have an odd number. 
yeah, that facts, sense. Dude. But yeah, carry on with your point, brother. I mean, in terms of maybe what's next or just what, I mean, this division, a lot of excitement here in the flyweight. You know, you got um, yeah, obviously Brandon finding Amir Abazi, but. I, I truly think the winner of Amir Abazi versus Brandon Moreno is going to be the win. It's going to be the one to go against. That, that's going to dictate both both matches, right? Like the loser of that match fights Brandon Roy Val for a title contender eliminator fight. Oh, what about Kaikara France? I was gonna say he's just sitting, he's just sitting idle, brother. Like he's, I mean, idle. Like he, he has to earn his keep. Brandon Moreno has fought only champions. That guy gets his shot, and he was just ready as a backup too. Top fives, he gets his shot. I like Like, that. Kaikara France has fought top tens. Let him fight another top ten and then get his shot. Well, and he, he lost to Brandon Moreno, so it's yeah, like he lost to Brandon Moreno. So I, I think Kaikar Franz gets the loser of um, the winner of the fight that we're matchmaking, right? So Brandon Moreno versus um, fucking what's his name? Uh, Amir Abazi. Amir Abazi. So the winner of that is going to fight Brandon Royval, or sorry, um, Alessandro Panchota. The loser of that is going to fight Brandon Royval. Winner of the Royval fight versus. The loser of that fight ends up fighting for a title. Loser of that fight ends up fighting Kaikar Franz. That's a good point. And I will say, too, now that I'm looking at it. It's another top 10, dude. Well, so the thing is, too, um, the guy that he clearly has a lot of beef with, Manel Kopp, is fighting uh, Matias Nikolai on January 13th. So that's less than a month away. Winner of that fight's Kaikar Franz. Easy. That's easy. Easy, especially if it's Manel Cop. I mean, that's a no fucking brainer. They probably should have already yes, fought. It's already got heat on it, and exactly, they definitely should have already fought. I don't think that's a great matchup for uh, for Manel Cop. I think Kaikar France might be too fast for him. That's the thing. He's quick, man, and he's got a pretty good, well-rounded game. Well, Manel Cop is just a little more one-dimensional, but it's a fun one. Absolutely, brother. Uh, moving into the main event of. The evening. My gosh. Um, main event of the evening. We got Leon Edwards coming in against the one, the only, Colby Chaos Covington. The guy that showed up to the fucking presser just honestly looking like a, uh, a fucking character. But uh, well, he's George I mean, Washington, I assume, or some sort of old <laughs> general. Washington. <laughs> um, either way, I mean, when he showed up, you just knew. It's time. And I mean, the the insults were were on par. I have my last shot to do, so we can go ahead and do that before we jump into this one. Oh yep, cheers, <sighs> brother. I definitely don't have a shot to do on this last one, baby. Beak. Let's go to the last event of the year. Kobe Covington, man. You want to talk about spilling tea in the Boston Harbor? Boy, he spilled a lot of tea. Sheesh. I don't think anybody... You want to talk about no filter? I think Kobe Covington is a definition of no fucking filters on that microphone, brother. My goodness. Before we jump into the fight itself, I know we kind of talked about it off air, but I think it's safe to assume, right, that there are some lines that probably should never be drawn. And I think it's... I'll start with the family, anything family, whether it's kids, uh, parents, wife as well, which although, I mean, honestly, 
if you're going to go after anyone, I guess maybe you, if you're going after my wife, okay, whatever. So be, you won't go after my girl or something, right? You're seeing a lot of that with Ian Gary right now. Although it feels like that should be like uncharted territory, whatever. You want to say something about my girl? Okay, it pissed me off, so be it. But the kids, the parents, and the religion or other family members, it feels like you just... And you're flopping. You want to that, that those should be the unwritten, unsaid rules. I think we agree on that. And it's like no matter what, if anyone crosses that line, I think you have the right to maybe not go a full Jorge Mazel on them and assault them and then, you know, get charges pressed against you, but throwing a water ball at them or wanting to beat his ass or telling him you're a chump or just not ruin for the guy, I think are all valid uh terms of uh response there. What do you think, brother, real quick? I think with all due respect, I don't know if I would have thrown a water ball at him. Uh, just because it's not my style. I, um, Bear? you've seen me in those types of situations where I get, uh, peeved. Fair to you your road rages. Well, the yep. Burger King line. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of these stories. Uh, really. <laughs> That's for a I, different um, podcast episode. <laughs> my, my voice typically drops uh, a couple decibels lower. Um, I, I change demeanor a little bit. My skin turns a little bit redder than white. And, uh, I don't I don't lift a hand. I just make sure they know that if it comes to that, they'll be very unhappy that it did. Uh so I don't think I would have thrown a water bottle at him. I think I would have maybe said something very, very subtle. Um, you know, mentioning someone's past father is an, an all-time level of low, in my opinion. I don't I don't want to say like I want to come up with a clever line in the moment. But I probably would have very, very tightly gripped my mic. I probably would have pulled it to my face and said something to the tune of, I'm going to make sure on Saturday night you regret every single thought behind that fucking quote, young man. I love that. Even though Colby's old as fuck, I would have said something like that, too. And then I, I think I would have just looked over like, I'm going to beat your fucking up ass. on him on Saturday. Yeah, um, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck you up. Like, I can't wait to put a hurt on you or something, because, I was, something, man, something, like, bro. I, I don't, I don't like at that point, if he you was go so shot low and I you know. steep so low with your, with your quote and your thing, like, I'd like to think I'd carry myself better than that. Um, I'm not even a big fan of my dad. And if someone said something like that, like, if someone mentioned my father and an oppressor, I, I'd like to think it'd be very bad for them. Uh, <laughs> you may not be you may not react kindly <laughs> i don't think it'd be a real good ending for them i don't think they'd get the desired outcome especially uh, if they were within armor's reach yeah there's no doubt i mean oof yeah, you know what i'm one. saying um i just i don't think it would be the way that they want it to go uh i know colby's whole outcome was he wanted to get him riled up uh prior to that uh his opponent Leon Edwards was the epitome of cool as a cucumber, just perfectly calm and collected, looked great throughout the entire fight week, laughing at Colby and, and his whole rhetoric and, and shtick. And then after that, it was very obvious that it had worked, right? He got under his skin to an extent. He'd upset him and he had him thinking. And uh, it's the opposite of what you want, right? For me, however, uh, Mary likes to call it going militant. Uh, when I switch modes, so it's a good way to put it. <laughs> yes, um, you've seen it. Uh, so like, you know, I, I go from this like happy go lucky guy to like, 
I'm I'm going to rip your esophagus out and then take a dump in it after you have passed. Um <laughs> so like like there there are levels from niceness to this is what the fucking situation is, guy. You crossed the line. If you crossed me, yeah, you're done. You're uh, done. <laughs> so it, it, it's a it's a very subtle line, but once you cross it, it's a bad one. And I feel like Edwards did exactly that. Um or, or rather Colby did exactly that. And Leanne Edwards went out there and did exactly what he needed to do to win. Um, there are a lot of people that are saying like, oh, he, Kobe Covington outlanded him. He landed 109 total strikes. Yeah, but 57 to 44 on significant strikes in favor of Leon Edwards. Oh, and two to two on takedowns. Oh, by the way, Kobe shot for 10 takedowns and Leon only shot for three, but they got the same amount. Oh, and Kobe is the wrestler, uh, you know, all-American kind of guy. And the other guy, he's a fucking striker, but they went toe-to-toe on takedowns. Um, there are ebbs and flows to this, folks. There are levels to this, and uh, Leon set the par. He set the pace. He set the game. Okay, if it was a par five course, he set a par four. Uh, Leon went out there and did the damn thing. He led with grace. He finished with grace. He led the first two and a half to three rounds with striking, outpaced his opponent, made him look silly. Uh, made him look like he wasn't trying at all. Even though Kobe Covington somehow managed to throw 194 strikes. If you told me that going into the fight before I watched it, and then I watched the fight, I would still say, you're a liar. I don't believe you. Because it just didn't seem that way. Right? Like, Kobe Covington just didn't seem that active. He seemed scared. But in the last two rounds, he really turned it on. Now, my question to you as we ping pong back and forth here a little bit, Nano Jive Turkey, my fucking live Jive fellow, is this, do you think that Leon Edwards came out there and pop, 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 knocked a little bit of motherfucking ring rust off that young man for three rounds, and that is why Kobe came back in rounds four and five? Mm. Yeah, I think partially some ring rust. I think partially Kobe being a bit hesitant early on, like you mentioned, um, Leon came out and it felt like he was a man on a mission. I think we all knew deep down that he was the better fighter. I didn't expect the speed or just the strength, even just, I mean, the size you saw the press conference, but I didn't expect all that to be so prominent early on. And I really don't think Colby expected that either. Felt like he got hit with a few shots early, a couple one twos right down the pipe. I don't think he liked the feel of that. And that leg was getting chomped up, bro. Like fucking jaws, man. I mean, that thing, I mean, honestly, like Carol Rosa, I mean, they, they were, Similar playbooks, just I'm going to beat the shit out of this leg so you cannot walk for the next three weeks, but you're also regretting everything I'm doing. And from a stylistic perspective, I do want to note that Leon's footwork, his ability to switch, and we always knew his strike and like it doesn't get the respect it deserves, but I think we do got to give Leon his flowers, man. Like does not like throw any feints. He doesn't um, telegraph anything and he's fast and he's strong and he's a fucking great striker. And he's got a lot of good weapons, man. And he just decided to chew up that leg. And, I mean, I think all things considered, again, Colby just... I think he wasn't willing to get in a firefight with Leon. He's a different striker than Kamaru, right? Kamaru is more of the wrestler. And Kamaru's striking has definitely gotten better under Trevor Whitman. But if you're not a natural striker, if, if that's not 
your basis, you may not have that that extra oomph behind your punches, right? Especially when it comes to round two, three, four, five. Are you going to maintain that same kind of power? And are you going to be able to land as clean in those exchanges where, again, Leon, everything he does, no wasted movements, it's strong. He's big. I mean, that dude's probably realistically like probably closer to 200 pounds when he's in there. I mean, dude looked ginormous and he looks strong and he wanted to prove his point. He was able to stuff the takedowns. He clearly outstroke him, which we expected, but it did just feel like Colby, I think maybe got desperate in the last few rounds and realized, like, okay, I'm losing. Like it's not, it's not there. And, and he gave his last ditch efforts and, you know, as delusional as he is, he, you know, try to feel like he won or had those comments after, but all things considered, like Colby, maybe a couple of years ago when he fought Usman, maybe, maybe when he fought RDA a while back, or when he fought Woodley, maybe that version of Colby, like would have stood a better chance. Cause again, Leon's 32, Colby's 35. And that isn't much like in the grand scheme of life, but in UFC, like MMA years, like, that's your prime and getting out of your prime and you're fighting someone in their prime. Like that's yeah. Kobe's not that guy. So I don't even know. I truly, and honestly, like he's not that guy, pal. And I was going to say, he lost a fan in me. Like, I I mean, I, I, I'm all about the antics, but yeah, I mean, you cross the line with the pops, man. You got to leave that out of it. But it's also like, who do you want to see him fight now? Like it's not for a title. It's like, dude, like that gimmicky shit. Like, it's weak. No one wants to see it. Like, so I really don't know who answers that call. If obviously Dana White's going to make the calls and obviously someone's going to have to answer it, but I'm not excited about it. And honestly, I hope someone just goes in there and beats his ass. Let's see Kobe get knocked out low key. Now it's just like, he's really leaning into the villain side of things, I guess. But, um, yeah. And I think all of that was again, another play. And maybe we should have known was like, okay, he's stooping that low. Like, I think Ariel Hawani made a good point about it on his show, but it's like, I think he knew like, this is probably my last ditch effort to try to get him off of his game. I can't beat Leon skill for skill, but maybe if I get him to fight emotional and be a little bit reckless, I can get him to make a mistake. Leon didn't do that. And so he won and, and still, and boy, I guess Bilal's next, right? Remember the name! Bilal Muhammad. I think he's the guy, dude. I think Bilal Muhammad with the eye poke. I mean... Leon was looking good in that first round before the poking of the eye. Poke me in that. I poked him in the fucking eye. Uh, but, you know, if I had to guess, I would probably say the Muhammad... Uh, I mean, Bilal Muhammad. He's coming. He's coming, bro. Can he avoid the chomping of the leg, bro? Those leg kicks, chomping like jaws, brother. That was nasty. Well, I mean, his um, leg, his kickboxing is next level. I mean, Bilal does have maybe some more answers, but and I do think the X factor with Bilal is the Dagestani background, man. Training with them boys, I do think. Before he like, trained with Dagestan, I mean, he was already fourteen to twenty on him before the eye poke. MMA math. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. I mean, uh, it's a lot closer than fucking, you know, I mean, uh, his Virtually opponent identical. was this last time in the first round. Uh, right. So uh, here's the thing. I think Bilal Muhammad would have been a much more exciting match in this fight. 
uh, if I'm being honest here, uh, than Kobe Covington was. I think the biggest issue in this entire fight was the fact that Kobe Chaos Covington didn't actually present any chaos in this fight. Um, he was very predictable. He was very patient. He was very poised. And that is the absolute opposite of what you want to see that guy doing. Uh, his nickname is Chaos, and he presented zero chaos. So that's a problem, folks. That being said, he also called out a 41-year-old fucking Stephen Wonderboy Thompson when asked if uh, it made sense for him to fight Shafkat. So um, felt a little weird. Felt He's a little avoiding it. Yeah, it's He's very pussy-itis. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got the and maybe itis, I mean, in terms of yeah, and maybe in terms of the age, I guess maybe you. I don't even know. They're both coming off losses, I guess. But that's what it is tough. Like when you're that high in the division, like if you're the UFC, like how do you actually think about that systematically? Like after that performance, are you rewarding Kobe because of those everything considered? I don't know if you're no. punishing him because of the antics, but it's like he didn't necessarily. I mean, he looked okay, but fucking Shavkat Rahmanov, bro. And is that deserving for Shavkat? Like, is that, is that, well, I guess if, if Shavkat can't get to Kamaru, right? If Kamaru's is not fine for a while, or I guess if Shavkat has, what's up with the ankle? Kamaru's Does he need surgery? Comes out rematch. At one, at middleweight? At 170. Or 170. Mm. He's going to ask for the rematch at 170. Well, I'd watch it again. That fight was really I'd watch it again. Good. It was a close match. I watched it again. It was really fucking good. It was a fucking really good match, dude. I don't Bro. know that dude. Honestly though, like if you're even if you're Kamzat or Kamaru, <laughs> like if you're looking at that division, like those middleweight boys, like, are you scared of any of them? If I'm Kamaru? Yeah, you don't want to cut anymore. Are you scared of those boys? <sighs> I mean, looking at middleweight. There's some I've, nice boys, I, but if I'm, I'm being honest with you, I'm looking boys. at Sean Strickland like I knocked that dude out. He already did. He beat him before. He didn't knock him out. I shouldn't say that, but he beat him before. He, did, he, beat, he knocked him out. Did he knock no? him out? Hold he on. beat him for sure. I'm pretty sure he knocked him Amaru out. Amaru Usman did beat Sean Strickland. I don't. Hold on, I it was a decision. Right it was a decision. UFC 210, okay. April 8th, 2017. Beat you to All it. Right. <laughs> I gotta be quick on that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean that goes to show. I mean, who's just that guy? He's if he's beast, healthy, bro. I don't know his knees though. That's the thing. I mean, he did this as a Kamzat, but actually, I don't oh, know. Then I'm looking down at... though, bro, and he yeah. landed him 117 to 30. Fuck yourself. <laughs> he killed Sean, bro. <laughs> well, that's why Sean left the division. I think, bro. Yeah, I think that was his last fight of the division. Um, yeah, dude. He, he dropped. So he I was, guess it's any division. Yeah. It almost makes me think again. I feel like they just had. I always wish they had more weight classes. 170, 185. I feel like there should be one in between there, but it's just me. So you're saying you want to. Oh, wait. 170 and 185. You want one between? I, I thought you were going towards a 165 or here. Like between that too. And that Walter. too. That too. I mean, there's a. That's an also 15 pound gap. Those are the two that need it, right? Yeah. Make it like a box and like a super light or a um. Ooh, I don't even know what else. Say what else you can use. I think they should switch the weight classes instead of adding two more. They should add one more and shift. 
So they should do 125 flyweight, 135 bantamweight, 145 featherweight, 155 lightweight, 165 welterweight, mm. okay. 175 super welterweight, mm. 185 middleweight, 195 light heavyweight, 215 cruiserweight, and then anything Ooh. after 216 super heavyweight. I was going to say, even if you keep 205 light heavyweight, you don't want to get too crazy. Oh, then just, did I just break it down or what? And then anything over 205 plus could just be super heavyweight, and then there's no cap. That'd be kind of sick. No, so that's that's why I want to do higher, right? I want to do light yeah, heavyweight. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. I want to do like a, or sorry, a, a, a lightweight, a heavyweight, and a super heavyweight, not cruiserweight. Mm, I like that. Okay, I like yeah. that. So like, it could be two, for one of those lighter ones, maybe, but yeah. I, I'd like 216 to 226. That could be like heavyweight. Or even like just like that. 215 to 216. That could be heavyweight. And, li- and then like a super heavyweight that's just like and no fucking limit. Just above it. Yeah, big as fuck. This like big as fuck. fucking pound, goddamn dude that looks like Pac Man. Goddamn, uh, dude. Yes. Walker, Walker, like Walker, 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 Walker. Built like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Yes, sign me up for that, brother. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> One punch that both just gassed out and knocked out. <laughs> I'm here for it, bro. I'm fucking here for it. Put on Fuck all yeah. the spectacle fights, guys. So, um, folks, we appreciate all of you that have lasted to the end of this fucking show. We have a handful of you, and we really appreciate it. Um, whether you're new here, old here, returning somewhere in between either way we would really appreciate it if you like comment subscribe smash that bell for notifications and you might not know this but we have a uh, contest going on we have a couple little prizes being given away uh at random all you have to do to be entered is subscribe to the channel like this video or any of the other videos in the past comment on the same video that you like and you will be entered if you want extra entries then go comment and like on other videos. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, and we will be giving you things like a sticker, a t-shirt, or a tank top, whichever you prefer. Um, and we can't wait to pick a winner. We'll be doing that after the MMA Anomaly Awards at the end of December slash beginning of January. And again, make sure you vote for that. We will be posting links to that in the videos in the coming weeks. And uh, we will be doing kind of a filler episode for the fights that we're probably most thankful for throughout the year leading up to that, uh, as well as announcing the finalized list of the nominations and the categories and things like that and kind of spamming the link at you guys so that you can actually vote. And uh, yeah, until then, folks, we really appreciate you guys joining us. We really appreciate you being a part of the channel and a part of the rise of the MMA Anomaly Show No Filter with MMA Anomaly and Jive Turkey Nano, my fucking number one guy here. So Appreciate again, you, folks, brother. We'll see you next week. Uh, we are not going to do two episodes this week just because there's no fight card. We're going to hold off one week and then we'll do another one next week uh, to kind of do like a, a Christmas MMA Anomaly show. And uh, I will I will sweat through like Nano has this week and I will wear my fucking Christmas sweater here, folks. <laughs> so until then, we'll see you next week. And as I like to say, keep on going. Keep on growing.
listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.